And welcome to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is where we take a look at the things that go on in this world and we look at them through a biblical perspective because oftentimes when you do have a biblical perspective on things, it can tend to give us a little bit more of an idea of what might be going on. We can maybe have make better sense of things, maybe have better judgment when it comes to engaging in activities and talking about certain things. And so, uh, so that's why we like to, uh, call it sanctified reason because we're looking at things through a reasonable perspective, but it's also through that of a biblical lens. And joining me is Dan Delzell. He's an author at the ChristianPost.com, also a pastor at a church, Redeemer Church in uh, Papillion, Nebraska. And Dan, you know, it's the new year, 2021, so happy new year. Hope your holidays were a good happy one. Happy new year to you, son. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting because everybody likes to use the new year as a reset. And I know some people, I saw it on social media and pictures, some people did have gatherings and had some fun things. And, you know, in more open states, people got to maybe go and party, as they say, a little bit more, ringing in the new year. Um, but, you know, here in California, everything was pretty much shut down. So if anybody was gathering, it was uh, probably a, a taboo type situation, you know, on, on the underground. And so uh, there wasn't that typical ringing in the new year, so to speak. And so it became just like another day. Even the Rose Bowl game, which here in Pasadena, you know, is a big deal, the parade and the game. I mean, that was shipped off to Texas and it was just another game. And so we never really had that kind of dividing ceremonial celebration that ends the old year and brings in the new year. And I'm thinking, you know, it might be it might be apropos that that was happening because 2021 seems to be pretty much the same year as 2020 with everything that's been going on here in these first seven, eight days of the new year. Yeah, it doesn't feel much uh, much like a reset, does it, Son? Uh, you know, uh, of course, we're continuing to just watch what's going on with COVID. And I think I just read maybe... Uh, today that uh, there were maybe 4,000 new cases uh, in the last day or so, maybe the highest number the U.S. has had. So you don't know what to make of that or where that's going and then with the vaccine and all. Uh, but then just all the other uh, unrest and, uh, you know, and violence and, and just concerns that people have. Uh, so, yeah, it just kind of seems to be um, continuing a lot of already what we experienced last year and and um, as you said, I mean, without sanctified reason, without uh, the Holy Spirit giving us insights through Scripture to really um, have some discernment and some sense of, of where God wants us to be in the middle of all this, uh, you know, a person can really get lost in this and really get uh, discouraged and, and pulled away from uh, really the, the, the narrow path that the Lord wants us to be walking on as, as his followers. So uh, you're exactly right. It's... Uh, it's quite a way to, to start the year here. We're, you know, barely a week into the year, and, and uh, you can hardly believe what's, what's already gone on. Yeah, so on uh, January 6th, there was the Electoral College Day where they were going to uh, certify the election. And some people were talking about, some of the politicians were talking about objecting to certification because of what they perceive as uh, irregularities in the voting process. And, of course, they were quickly uh, shot down because of nobody wants to believe that there could be any, you know, irregularities in voting that, you know, nobody cheated in the voting, you know, even though there's ample right. evidence. But, you know, uh, there's evidence and there's, I mean, there's proof and proof and evidence, I guess, are kind of two different things when it comes to the court of law. But um, but they were going to, you know, object. And then there was a big mass protest outside of Capitol Hill. And then, you know, some thugs got into it and uh, decided to 
rushed the Capitol building and got inside and started to occupy the Senate floor and Nancy Pelosi's office and, you know, some other things, being places they shouldn't have been. And so now all right. of a sudden you have the country up in arms that some, you know, it was like the new Boston Tea Party or some revolutionary act took place. And all it was merely was a bunch of thugs who were in a place they shouldn't have been doing something they shouldn't have been doing. Right. And were eventually, you know, halted and, and pushed back. And even I'm sure some of the uh, there was some video up because I've been scouring the Internet for uh, mm-hmm. different angles of, of video and see what's going on. And there was even, you know, supporters for the, the president who were helping, you know, police get people from, you know, storming the uh, Capitol Hill and stuff. So there's a lot that went on. And, yep. and to be honest, we really don't know what happened. We right. just know there was a breach. Right. A bunch of people are doing things that they shouldn't have been doing. It was a terrible right. scene. Um, and basically, you know, if you're a conspiracy theorist, you can have some fun with it because there are a lot of mm-hmm. things that changed after that happened and, and favored, you know, the Democratic Party. And um, and then there's other people that are coming out and saying that, you know what, it's, it's a result of what we've been preached at for eight months. You know, you have... Yeah. Uh, hours and hours of video footage from CNN and other mainstream media outlets that were showing pundits on TV and politicians such as Kamala Harris and others saying that it was okay, that the ridings and the looting and the burnings of the buildings over the summer, they were all okay, and that it was to be condoned and that it was expressing themselves because of the many years of oppression. And so after eight months of being told that violence is okay, some people yeah. decided to take it in their own hands and storm Capitol Hill. And, um, and now all of a sudden it's like the worst thing that people can do. Yeah. I tell you, son, you know, the whole thing just, uh, is, is so amped up with, uh, with emotion. Um, you know, it, it it's so, uh, conflicted in terms of, um, you know, the way, the way that, uh, different people have been, you know, going at one another here in, in, in recent months. And as you say, I mean, there's just been month after month of these riots in the cities and, and, and all of the violence. And, you know, it seemed to me um, that one of the things that, that went on there on January 6th was that um, kind of a strategic mistake was made, uh, you know, by President Trump um, from the standpoint of not recognizing that there are going to be some agitators, um, just like we've seen, you know, agitators attacking other, um, you know, other folks at Trump rallies who've just been out there just trying to let their voice be known and they've been attacked. Uh, You know, it seems like it was a a strategic mistake to send, you know, these thousands of, of, uh, of people um, to the Capitol with the with the realization that you've got this other element out there that's just looking for an opportunity to um, to strike, and and, and so um, yeah, I mean it's it's just it's terrible, you know what 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 happened and and the, the people who were killed, just like the other uh, events of, of last year were terrible um, when when people were killed, innocent people were killed, um, and uh, you know it kind of just. Uh, is, is something that um, leaves a, a bad taste in a person's mouth. But um, it, it kind of reminds me, uh, you know, I guess in, in Galatians 5, for example, it says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, 
drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And, and so the person who's living for their sinful nature uh, is going to be, um, uh, just by their own um, impulses, you know, uh, violent against those they disagree with. Um, we saw so many dozens, if not hundreds of, of examples of that last year. Um, January 6th was another example where uh, some people with hate in their heart, uh, and whether, whether there were 10, whether there were 40, uh, I mean, I thought I saw maybe, uh, you know, they had like maybe 40 photos of, of people now that maybe the D.C. police has, has posted. They're trying to identify these, these uh, you know, 40 agitators uh, that were, um, I guess, you know, stirring up trouble there in the, in the Capitol building. And so it's just really um, tragic that when you've got tens of thousands of people gathering there to try to um, really stand for uh, fair elections and, and for those uh, who were starting to debate the whole uh, electoral uh, process and the, and the, and the certification, uh, that then you've got this, this group, almost like an Antifa, um, and BLM group, um, and whoever they were, um, they, they seem to accomplish what they, what they wanted that day. And so that then becomes the main part of the, the, the story. Um, and again, it, it's tragic when you look at who lost their lives. Uh, and, uh, we, we've seen that before. Um, and you know, man, if he just goes with his own impulses and he doesn't allow the Lord to guide him and, and give him sanctified reason, give him you know, spiritual sense, and, and then um, just the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is, is what follows that passage I just read, you know, the nine qualities that the Holy Spirit gives us that are so opposite of, of that list I just read with, you know, selfish ambition and, and jealousy and discord and hatred. Uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And, 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 and if I might compare it to one other um, event there in Washington a few months earlier, Son, when they had the, the, the prayer march in Washington led by Franklin Graham, and they had like, you know, seven stops they made. Uh, I think the last one was at the Capitol building there. But, but, you know, the effect of that, it was very quiet. It was very peaceful. Um, and, and, and my guess is that if the agitators, you know, had not been involved in this group, that that um that this thing would have would have ended you know in a certainly in a in a very strong way but not in not in a violent way not in a a way where you're you know breaking into the capital and and destroying things and shots are being fired but um it's just interesting that 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 march uh that Franklin Graham led um was bathed in prayer and and you know you and I talked about this a few months back and uh you know, one of the things I think when we were discussing, um, maybe trying to look at, well, you know, uh, I wonder why Trump didn't get reelected. Um, and, and one of the things that we were talking about and that I was bringing up is that it seemed like at a lot of his rallies, it was very much about him. It was obviously very much about Biden. Um, there were a lot of personal attacks. Um, and, and, and I wondered then and I wonder now, Son, what a difference it would have made if, for example, let's say at those rallies, those massive rallies, and then culminating there on January 6th, if, if, if let's say that 
maybe, let's say, Mike Pence and uh, Franklin Graham, you know, two mighty men of prayer, you know, very mature Christians, very uh, self-disciplined and men of integrity. You know, if, if, if these men, let's say, had been invited to begin the rally and end the rally, and, and each one was given, say, seven or eight minutes to just lead the group in prayer, you know, thanking God for the past four years, asking that God's will be done in the election, um, asking for the Lord to bless our nation. Um, I just can't help but wonder, son, what a difference that would have made um, in, in terms of the atmosphere there within the Trump campaign. And it would have become then a little bit less about Trump and, and more about um, the God who gives us whatever blessings we do have. And there are many that we have. Um, and, and it would have become less about Biden. Um, and I just, I just think if, if maybe 15 minutes had been devoted to prayer, I mean, we know there were many Christians at all of those rallies, including there in Washington, uh, DC. And, and, and yeah, so it's very sad that it, it got out of control because of, you know, some agitators there that, that pushed their agenda. But, um, I think there's just a lot of lessons in there for us to think about. And, um, just as Mike Pence, when he had his vice presidential debate, he demonstrated such, you know, integrity and, and soundness of speech and, and uh, emotional maturity. And that was after the, the debate where President Trump had really hurt himself badly but when he just had no self-control. Um, I, I just wish that, that a couple of those guys, you know, that Pence and, and Franklin Graham, for example, um, who really, um, like so many men and women in our country, son, who, who are who pray to the Lord, who seek the Lord, who many of whom have voted now twice for President Trump or, you know, for Donald Trump, um, even before he was, of course, president, um, voted for him twice now. Uh, it's, it's hopefully we can all learn a lot from this and, uh, and maybe we can, we can start to realize just how much we all need prayer. Um, we need, you know, when America has been at its highest points, there've been, you know, corporate prayer meetings, there've been revivals, um, uh, you know, uh, those Trump rallies, they were, they were revivals of conservatism and popular, you know, a populist message. And, and a lot of that, you know, obviously brings many benefits, but if you don't have sanctified reason and the Holy Spirit's power in it, um, if you don't have the touch of God upon it, um, that emotion can, can kind of just spin off in different directions. And, and Trump had, you know, two, two guys, and I'm going to focus on, you know, Franklin Graham and, and Mike Pence. He had two guys at his disposal. All this leader of the free world, what I have to have done is said, hey, guys, can I call on you to spend about seven or eight minutes here at the beginning of the rally, at the end of the rally? Um, you wouldn't have had maybe those educators even want to be a part of that. Um, I, it would have given it a more of a, uh, I, I think, of a realistic, um, you know, not, not just so much. I mean, yeah, yeah, there were a lot of Trump flags, but. Um, may, maybe it would have given it less of a Trump emphasis and more of a freedom and faith and God emphasis. And, and so there's just a lot there, I think, that we can take from this. And, um, you know, one thing we've definitely seen, you know, for all of the good things that President Trump did, you know, he and Mike Pence are uh, worlds apart in terms of the way they deal with people, the way they deal with issues. Um this, of course, has been the big uh, complaint against Trump for so long for, by so many people. Um, but as you and I have talked about, there's plenty of blame to go around in the political spectrum there. I mean, there's so many issues on the left that, that just had to be corrected and 
President Trump, you know, came in and, 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 uh, I mean, he, he stood for life. He, he appointed conservative justices. Um, yes, he was, you know, he was very, uh, uh, just abrasive, you know, and, and uh, many people wish that, you know, he had, he'd had a, a more, you know, polished uh, approach. Um, but it is what it is. And, and those agitators got in there on January 6th. Uh, but I, I don't believe at all that they represent, you know, the vast majority of the people who had gathered there that day. I mean, I don't know who was all there. I mean, it does seem like some were there to um, perhaps get um, somewhat aggressive. Uh, but it doesn't seem like, like, I mean, we certainly haven't seen that in other Trump rallies. We haven't seen that as a whole from, you know, conservative people. So I, I kind of chalk this up to those on, on you know, kind of coming from an extreme uh, point of view who aren't really at all in the mainstream of, of the conservative, you know, um, kind of coalition of, of people who want to have our nation, you know, remain free and, 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 uh, avoid socialism and protect the unborn and, 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 you know, and, and just, um, reject socialism and so forth. Um, so yeah, a lot to talk about, I guess, a lot going on, a lot, of sinful desires get they get inflamed then by by those who have hate in their hearts and then we see of course that that leads even to death then doesn't it yeah i was going to ask you about that when you brought it up was you know where were all these evangelical leaders that were there in the beginning because they were all there in the oval office you know for the photo op and you know i think some people were there for their own personal you know reasons to maybe sure. make themselves look more important and stuff but i think sure. that's one of the things that you have to take from this you know as christians you know first off i think there was a, a a failure in the christian church over the last four years because they could have used this opportunity of his presidency instead of becoming yeah. political and to make it more about a spiritual thing and make it more about the spiritual values and the biblical values and the biblical standards that were taught but instead it seemed like they wanted to make it about themselves and their and their you know i'm in yeah. the upper echelon because i get to meet with the with the um you know president at the over office and get my picture taken with him and pray over him and sure. it became more ceremonial sure. but the other thing too is you know when when i interact with different people i also find that even christians you know it's like they're they're christians and name only nowadays because they, they've 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 gotten away from the biblical principles if they were taught them because again you have to now question you know what our church is teaching today in america and so right. it gets to the point where it's like, okay first off what were you taught and are you really a Christian born again, or are you just somebody who is Christian in name only because maybe you attended a church or maybe you were baptized as a kid right. or you went through the ceremonies. And so therefore now you're given this title, but it's, it's a reminder that, you know what, everything that we do requires us to, to take a look through the lens of the Bible and talk about these issues. Because like you said, there's a vast difference between Galatians five, when you're talking about all yeah. those things of the flesh and you're talking about, let's just, yeah. you know, uh, idolatry, you know, whether your, yeah. uh, your idol is Trump or whether your idol is something else, you know, for example, you know, jealousy. I mean, Hillary Clinton, you know, she's been jealous. She hasn't been in the white house. And so, you know, there's a lot of people that are probably jealous that she hasn't been there because she's lost fits of rage, selfish ambition. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's all of DC. That's every single politician is a selfish ambition type person and then you've got your know, dissension and so all of us fit those those molds but you can also really see it in today's political climate and then you compare that like you said to the fruit of the spirit when you got something like love yeah. 
joy, peace, yeah. patience. And it's like you said, the contrast between what Pence and his character is like and that oh, yeah. of like, you yeah. know, of Donald Trump, you can kind of see a comparison. Although I do think, mm-hmm. uh, I think, uh, like you said, Pence could have taken a more active role in this whole situation and things could have gotten different. So I don't think he's, you know, without, uh, without problem in this, in this whole thing. But it's like, that's what we need to look at, you know, and when you look at the, the other side, for example, you know, you don't see that because again, if you take Trump out of the equation, okay, you still have people there because, again, in a couple weeks, he's going to be done. In fact, you know, he's probably, you know, pretty much done now. We're not going to be having any more legislation or anything done because everybody's too preoccupied with him for the next two weeks. But you take him out of the equation, what's left? I don't recall anybody on the conservative side calling out for violence against people. I don't recall anybody else you know, saying that we need to, you know, get our soldiers in order. In fact, let me just play a couple things so people can be reminded sure. of the thing we're talking about. It's not to pile on, but it's to use as evidence, as proof that you've got people condemning violence or condoning violence, not condemning it, and saying that this is what we need to do. This was Maxine Waters a couple years ago inciting the crowd. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore. And then this was a, more recently, a representative from uh, Michigan, I believe, who said this. So this is just a warning to you Trumpers. Be careful. Walk lightly. We ain't playing with you. Enough is enough. And for those of you who are soldiers, you know how to do it. Do it right. Be in order. Make them pay. I mean, what kind of evil is that where you're sitting there, make them pay? I mean, we all have to check ourselves. But when we take it to the political level, I mean, that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with two opposing ideologies one is we need to heal and unite the country and the other is make them pay and so how is that going to be you know when when that's an underlying thing in america nowadays and we saw it all through the summer of 2020 and you know you speak out against that but oh no it was for social justice reason you know there was the oppression of people for all these years and so it's okay to you know hunt down other people and shoot them in the streets it's okay to you know assault a, a portland federal courthouse even though you know federal statute says it's treasonous because that's what they're saying that happened the other day and they don't realize that it's all wrong People don't see that. They're blinded by their ideology. They don't see that what happened in D.C. the other day and what happened over the summer is the same thing. It's wrong. It's there in Galatians 5. You know, it's not the the things of the fruit of the Spirit. It's not what Jesus would do. It's not having that, you know, that spirit of love and that spirit of peace and joy and long-suffering and and making sure that our others uh, are being taken care of and stuff. Because, you know what, people, they want to reject the Bible. They want to reject those biblical principles that would tell us how we should treat other people that would tell us how we should interact with other people, how we should take care of those that are needy, how we should be there and forgive those that do harm against us. I mean, there's people still that have betrayed me that have gone back on deals and things like that, that I'm in my fleshly self is like, dude, I want them to pay. How can I get revenge on them? But then I got to look at it through the biblical perspective of sanctified reason and be like, you know, Jesus hung on that cross. And when he hung on that cross, it reminds me of the song that Petra sang, you know, instead of eyes that burned with hate, a look of love was there. 
there. He loved the people that were crucifying him, and nobody can do anything worse to us than they did to Jesus by crucifying him on the cross when he did nothing wrong. Yeah, no, that 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 is for sure, son. And you know, when we think about the way that Jesus interacted with, say, his disciples, as compared to, let's say, the Pharisees, um, you know, or even the way he interacted, let's say, with the tax collectors and prostitutes, um, you know, he welcomed them, he ate with sinners, but he did not have the same expectations for them yet that he had for his own followers. Um, you know, uh, unsafe people are not going to live like safe people. Um, until they get saved, uh, because we all need the Lord to produce any amount of holiness in us. Um, and, and of course, as we know, once you get saved, it still is a challenge to, to live as a saved person because, you know, you have temptations every day, but, but you do have the power of God in your life. And the reason I mentioned that example there, son, is because as we talk about it politically, um, when I, when I hear people and you hear people as we have now for decades, spouting some of the things that you hear on the left, whether it be, um, you know, a a pro-abortion position, whether it be a a pro-socialism position, and and in that case, you say, where is any any common sense, let alone sanctified reason, um, when you hear them changing um, the the, the sexual ethics of the Bible to fit the, the modern uh, sense of, of, you know, live and let live and, and, and they, and they get involved in sexuality issues and, and try to say that what God has said is sinful for thousands of years is no longer a problem at all. I mean, okay. I don't have much of an expectation from someone who looks at things that way, that they're going to really have an ounce of sanctified reason coming from them, because if they did, they wouldn't be spouting those, those very dark ideologies. They wouldn't be, um, they wouldn't be okay with, you know, five-year-old children being told if they want to switch their gender, they can. I mean, you don't have common sense, you know, if you believe in some of those things. But, but, but what we have had higher expectations for are, are from, you know, conservative folks, and especially those who have, um, either they are Christian or they're being influenced by, by, by Christians. And we've seen how, you know, President Trump has had some Christians around him, certainly. Um, and, 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 and frankly, I mean, I don't, I don't really look at, like, Mike Pence right now, son. I don't really look at it as though, you know, boy, if only he had done more to, you know, try to influence the president. Or, see, the, you know, when they say the buck stops here, um, President Trump, who received so many benefits, from, um, you know, having Christians around him. And I commend him for, you know, his choice of vice president and, and Kaylee McEnany, you know, his press secretary and some of these other Christians and, and uh, uh, Betsy DeVos, you know, uh, uh, secretary of education and these others. But, but here's the thing, though. Um, you have then an opportunity and a responsibility to demonstrate to the world, but more importantly to your creator, that it's more than just for show. And I'm talking now from the president's standpoint, you know, like you mentioned, son, I mean, there, you know, there, there could easily have been some evangelical leaders who maybe, you know, they, they wanted to be around the president more because of how it made them look. Although I would like to think that hopefully most of them were there because they were asked and they, they, they humbly wanted to, you know, maybe serve the nation and help the president and not, not be in the spotlight. And, and so for, you know, that would have been the right motive and hopefully they had that. I think Mike Pence certainly had that, 
but but here's the thing, though, son, and, and I and I was convinced of it months ago, and I'm even more convinced of it now. Um, the, the the president needed help, but he needed to call upon these people. You know, when when I saw at this one rally in North Carolina, uh, here where he gave a rally, and then he calls on Franklin Graham there to open up with prayer, and I couldn't believe how short the prayer was, and and Franklin Graham just didn't really seem to be into it. And I couldn't figure that out uh, for a minute. And I started thinking about that. And, and I started thinking about, well, you know, it is kind of interesting, isn't it? That he's calling on Franklin Graham and Franklin Graham's, you know, in that family, in that state where his family is from. I mean, is, is, is Franklin Graham just being used in that case by Trump? You know, there, there were those who accused, you know, Nixon and others of using Franklin Graham's dad, Billy Graham, just as, as kind of a, a way to, you know, get the, get the evangelical vote or whatever. Um, but I couldn't understand why, you know, Franklin Graham gave such a short prayer. But then it occurred to me, son, you know what? Maybe Franklin Graham is like, hey, if we're going to do this prayer thing at rallies, then let's do it. And let's just don't do it at one rally. Let's just don't do it where maybe, you know, you think you might get some political gains because it's me and my family and it's North Carolina. Let's do it everywhere. And by the way, how about on the, the, the prayer march on, on Washington? Um, I mean, yes, I know that later in the day, President Trump was going to be nominating Amy Coney Barrett. We were very, you know, thrilled for that nomination. But I was, I was um, disappointed to see how little the president talked about that march. Um, he didn't seem to be involved in, uh, in uh, maybe not so much a march. I, I guess it, yeah, it was a march, but it was a, you know, times of prayer. I guess the point I'm making, Son, is this. Um, you know, they talk about athletes and they talk about games and, you know, teams get to a point where they say, well, it's theirs to lose, you know. I think the second term was Trump's to lose. I mean, there were so many gains economically. Um, you, you look at what he's done, you know, with Israel and nations, you know, um, now involved, uh, you know, connecting to Israel. You look at what he's done um, with, you know, all of the conservative uh, judges he's appointed. Um, I mean, you look at so many things that he's done. Just setting aside for a minute, you know, his manner, his, his uh, at times, you know, bad manners and all these things. Um, it was his to lose. And, and I think that if he had humbly um, looked at those rallies, not just as a way to, you know, talk about Trump. And, you know, hey, the, the, the people were there saying, we love you, we love you. And Trump was soaking it all in and just really was being brutal against Biden. Um, but it didn't seem to work in the end. You know, whereas let's say that rather than just soaking up all the adulation, um, he had given Mike Pence and Franklin Graham seven or eight minutes each on the front end and the back end of that, of those rallies. I'm talking every rally that, that was, that was Trump's choice. P Pence couldn't force himself into that. Franklin Graham couldn't force himself into that. But, but I think Trump, um, after four years of being around evangelical son, I think Trump really, um, missed an opportunity. I mean, nobody expected him to become as mature of a Christian as Mike Pence in just four years. Because, I mean, you, you can tell with Mike Pence, I mean, we're talking decades of self-discipline, of, of, of a Christ-centered, Bible-based, prayer-filled, spirit-led life. You, you, you don't get to that point and live the way he lives um, without that, generally speaking. I mean, there's some exceptions. I mean, Kaylee McEnany is, I think, an exception to that. She hasn't had maybe, you know, those decades of it, but she seems very mature and strong in her faith. But um, I just think that President Trump, um, he lost control of himself.
he defeated himself. Um, he turned off so many people with those attacks against Biden. And, and, if, and, and if he'd have replaced 15 minutes of personal attacks with 15 minutes of prayer, and again, son, I wouldn't expect that from the left because they don't talk about God. You know, um, they, 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 they talk about things that the Bible condemns, you know. Um, so I don't expect that from the left. I, I mean, what I mean is, you know, you, you know, until somebody is really going to be, um, you know, seeking the Lord and, 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 and announcing that, you know, that, that, that they want to serve the Lord and, and they're proud of, 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 of mentioning Jesus. I mean, you don't get that on the left. I mean, you know, on the left, it seems like, you know, Jesus is used as a curse word, but I don't hear people on the left. And of course, you know, there are many politicians on the right who, um, who aren't even, you know, probably believers, you know, but, um, the, the point is, I think a lot of this, most of this falls on President Trump's shoulders. Um, no, I don't think you can even compare the, uh, the antics of the activists on January 6th. I mean, I mean, you could compare it to what happened last year, but it's like a, a drop in the bucket uh, of all the violence and protests. But it's not even really about that so much. Um, it's like, well, you know, but they did a lot more than, than these agitators. I think it goes deeper than that. I think it goes um, to leadership. I think it goes to a man that God allowed to serve for four years, that God gave a very mature Christian by his side, um, that this man demonstrated a couple months ago um, that he could handle the debate in, in the vice presidential debate. And, and, and when Trump had this opportunity the last couple months to give God the glory, to turn some of these rallies into, you know, almost uh, semi-prayer meetings, why not? I mean, why not, why not, you know, leave it all out there on the field? And if God doesn't want you to have a second term, fine. But at least you didn't, you didn't do it yourself. And I think that's what happened. I think Trump lost it himself. Um, I think he, he uh, and, and, you know, we're all, we're all susceptible to selfish ambition. We're all susceptible, I suppose, to wanting to build our own little empire. But it really should never have been about Trump at that point. I mean, at that point, it should have been about thanking God, asking God's blessing, seeking his will, saying, you know, I mean, if they had prayed in those rallies, son, you know, um, you know, Lord, let your will be done with this election. I mean, this would have pleased the Lord. This would have brought a much different atmosphere to the Trump campaign. So there's a lot we can learn from that. I, I wouldn't even begin to expect some of these things I'm talking about from the left because, you know, they're not even close to that in, in terms of so many of the policies. I mean, they want to remove God from the platform, let alone define God as the God of the Bible. Um, I mean, they, they would no more want to narrow it down to that than the man on the moon, you know. But there's a reason why 80% of evangelical Christians have voted for Trump twice. Um, but it was his to lose. Um, I think Pence did everything he could to try to help Trump, to help keep him um, from destroying things. And I think Pence and Franklin Graham would have been there in a heartbeat if, if, if Donald Trump had called him in. Of all these meetings he had with world leaders and everybody else, great. You know, but call these two men in, you know, back in like August and say, okay, guys, here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to, I want to see if God wants me to have four more years, but I want to make sure that these rallies that we have give the glory to God. And, and who's ever going to have a stronger base of Christians in their rally song than Donald Trump had in those massive rallies. That's all he had to do. But you see, he apparently didn't have the sanctified reason to make that call. And what I'm saying is if he had, uh, and by the way, um, not, not that, you know, this would have made, you know, a difference for Donald Trump, but, but I felt so strongly about this, you know, close to a year ago, I actually sent an email to the white house 
and and uh, was even proposing some some thoughts on some prayer gatherings. Um, and I won't go into the details on that, but you know, um, you know. So I mean, I was trying to do the little bit I might be able to do to to move things more in the direction of prayer. So if I was doing it, and I have no contact with you know anything, you know anybody there in his administration, uh, you know we don't know how many of the other uh, evangelical leaders there may have been trying to do that. But but when Trump stood up at these rallies. And it was all about him, and he loved here, and we love you. You know, we love you. That's great. But but at the end of the day, um, I think he self-destructed. He imploded. Um, am I saying? You know, I'm not. I'm not trying to compare what he did to those on the left. I mean, you know, you and I, and most people understand. I mean, the whole Antifa BLM thing. I mean, that is so far from anything righteous. That you know, and just like the agitators on January sixth, that was. That was just as, as wrong, those, those that inv- were involved with that. But it was just kind of a perfect storm, I think, that, that could have ended so differently. And, and if January 6th had begun and ended in prayer, there would have been no need to march on the Capitol. And, 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 it, and if they would have had uh, just a, I mean, there were, what, 140 or more in the, in the House that wanted to really, you know, debate the, the, the election fraud. But, but all of that got, got thrown out the window once this march happened, once this chaos happened. Uh, so then any even honest look at election fraud wasn't even going to be able to happen. But I just think that the whole thing could have gone so differently if President Trump had listened to those spiritual leaders, specifically Mike Pence and Franklin Graham, and said, guys, I can't do this. I mean, I don't have the spiritual, you know, gravitas that you have. I don't have the spiritual maturity that you have. I can't lead a, a seven or eight minute prayer in my rallies, but you can. Let's seek the presence of God. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to move in. Let, let, let's ask for God's will to be done. And I'll tell you, son, I think if he'd have done that, I think he'd be getting ready to have a second term right now um, because it would have been a whole different ball game at that point. Um, not only would we not have had the January 6th chaos, but, but more importantly than that, um, he did not need to self-destruct in that, in that presidential uh, um, debate like he did. But... Um, Again, I, I don't mean to <laughs> go on too long here, son. Thank you for letting me, uh, you know, t- take that long on. I don't mean to have a little rant on it, but you can tell how strongly I feel that um, it was his to lose. I think he lost it. We're all we're all guilty, you know. But I think as he looks back on this, um, he'll have no one really to point the finger at um, other than himself. And and I think if he'd have handled it differently, the way Mike Pence handled himself, then um, I don't think we'd be having this discussion today as far as. Okay, now what are we going to do you know, with Biden and Harris in there? It's going to be a lot different, but it really didn't have to be. Um, but, uh, you know, the decisions leaders make have huge consequences. Well, the uh, first and foremost thing that we're supposed to do is, you know, fulfill the Great Commission, right? We're supposed to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything. You know, I've commanded, as the Bible says, Jesus commanded. And then, you know, at the end it says, surely I'll be with you till the end of the age. And so no matter what our position is, whether it's the president of the United States or a teacher someplace or maybe a police officer or a doctor or whatever the case may be, you know, that's our first thing is to be an example for Christ and to be able to resonate what he is through us to other people so that other people can see the difference. You know, I'm reminded of a story um, that I know a couple, they're from India, and they were telling me kind of a little bit of the evangelical history of India. And, you know, India is a country that has many, many different religions as far as goddesses and who you worship and all this and that. Right. And so right. when I believe it was the Lutherans moved in, 
the first thing they did was not evangelize to the people. They came yeah. alongside them to help them out and they were mm-hmm. you know, educating them and they were helping them with medicine and they were doing all these daily things. And right. so while other religions were coming in and trying to, you know, evangelize them and indoctrinate them in their religion, they were just yeah. being a part of, you know, the, their daily life. And then someone's like, Hey, why are you guys so different than all these other people that are coming in? And the, right. and then, and then they started to share their faith with them. And basically what they were doing is through their actions, they were yeah. able to demonstrate the love of Jesus, you know, the fruits yeah. of the spirit and able to make a difference in the lives of the people yeah. that they impacted so much so that they began to question, why are these people different? Why are these people this way? Why are they helping me out? Why are they, why do they care about yeah. us? Because it's a caste yeah. system too. You know, in India it was a caste system. And so, you know, yeah. even the lowest of the low, you know, these, these people are coming in and helping. It's like, why? And that's the type of, you know, thing that we have to remember, no matter who we are, or what we do, the first thing for us to do is to be a witness for Jesus and be a witness yeah. Yeah. to the nations. So that way, you know, we can go out and we can fulfill that great commission and we can do that. One of the checks and balances, so to speak, is like what you brought up in Galatians. You know, we can either sit there and we can condone ourselves or act like those things of the flesh, you know, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, you know, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, you know, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. You know, and it goes on to say that, you know, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So there's a, a check. Are we living yeah. our lives according to that? Or are they the fruit of the spirit? Is there love? Is there joy? Is there peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control? And you can take a look at that in anything, whether it was the summer of 2020 or whether it was, you know, January 6th. Was there self-control involved? You know, was there selfish ambition? Was there fits of rage? Was there peace? You know, and, and you see that on both sides through, you know, a lot of things. You can see people out in the streets protesting something and they are peaceful and they are loving to one another and they have good intentions. But then in the same scenario, the same setting, you get the same people that are out there in fits of rage and having selfish ambition and all they want to do is, you know, grow discord amongst the people. And so it doesn't matter if you're a politician or if you're a Sunday school teacher or anything in between, the first thing that we should be focusing on is that of the Great Commission and making sure that we are a witness for God and that what we do uh, is an example to who he is. Because ultimately, you know, like somebody said, I think I read it on social media, they wrote, you know, the destiny of the earth is already pre-planned. You know, Jesus is coming again at some point in time and everything's going to change. No matter who's in office isn't going to change that. You know, the road that we travel might differ depending on who's in office, but an election isn't going to change the fact that Jesus is coming again. And one day we will spend all eternity, you know, either in heaven or in hell in paradise and glory or, you know, some other place that's not going to be very nice. And so what are we, what are we gearing up for? What are we doing with our lives to make sure that we bring as many people with us to heaven? Because that's what we're supposed to do through the great commission. Yeah. Amen to that son. And, uh, you know, it makes me think of a statement. I mean, I forget who I heard uh, that made this statement, but I thought it was very well said. And and, uh, and they said, you know, every pastor ultimately has to decide whether he's going to be a politician or a prophet. And sadly, we have seen so many ministers uh, in our nation. We've seen major, you know, whole denominations um, choose the political over the prophetic. And by political there, I don't mean necessarily just one party or the other. Um, 
I mean, political in, in terms of um, wanting to go with something that the, the world will accept, uh, a message that will not um, offend anyone, uh, a, a politically correct message, a, a, a spiritually correct, so to speak, message. So, so every minister has to decide, am I going to be a prophet or a politician? Has God called me to preach the word or has God called me to just tell people what they want to hear based on the latest, you know, exit polls and, and how society views things. And, and in a very real sense, I think Tucson, that, that, um, that, that certain presidents, especially those who profess faith in Christ and surround themselves with spirit led Christians. Um, and, and I think Donald Trump fits both of those. Uh, I, I think he does profess faith in Christ as his savior. So he would, he would say, Hey, I'm a Christian. Okay. And we always want to give a person the benefit of the doubt, uh, if at all possible, uh, you know, um, when, when they profess faith in Christ. And, and then, you know, he has surrounded himself, or at least earlier in his administration there, you know, with, with quite a few Christians. So, so in a very real sense, I, I think that while the day-to-day activities um, that he's carried out for four years have not called upon him to be a theologian in chief, nor should he be, um, this critical stage uh, of, of really his um, political work and, and more importantly, the nation's history, um, he had an opportunity here during these months. And remember now, I mean, I, I, on the other side of the aisle, you, you've got the Jeremiah Wrights, you, you've got the, the Warnocks in, in Georgia, you, you, you've got the, the quote-unquote ministers who... Um, you know, may, may, may be, you know, promoting things and saying things that don't seem to have any uh, resemblance to the Bible. So, so you, you've already got, you know, political figures who are involved in religious things. I mean, my goodness, this, this, now this Warnock, I guess, who's going to be a senator from Georgia. I mean, he's a minister, I guess. Okay. All right. So what I'm saying is Trump had an opportunity now not to go out and start preaching sermons, you know, in these rallies. But he had to decide at this critical point. Um, he had to decide who was it that ultimately allowed him and, and really let him serve. Who brought that about four years ago? And, and ultimately, um, you have to decide if, if you're going to play for an audience of one or if you're going to uh, you know, play to the masses. And, and in, in Trump's case, it would have been a very, very simple thing, a very simple thing. Um, but then again, it, it's not so simple as it's on to say no to our flesh, to say no to our selfish ambition. You know, if we've been used to attacking people our whole career, um, and then in, in a, a relatively short political career, if we've been used to attacking, and we saw this right out of the gate with him, didn't we? I mean, in terms of the, whatever it was, 17 or 18, um, you know, Republicans in the field, and, and he just went after them like a bowling ball against pins. I mean, I mean, it was brutal the way he took down, I mean, the things he said about, you know, Marco Rubio and, and Jeb Bush and the others, but I mean, that, that seemed to be his style. And, and, uh, you know, we were coming out of eight years of, of another president with ideas that are, are, are so foreign to so many Christians, you know, but, um, you know, that's kind of been his style, but, but he had an opportunity here in these, in these, in the last several months to either be political or prophetic, um, to sure tout all the things, you know, that have gone right over the last four years. Great. But let the tone, let the atmosphere lead the nation now, 
lead the nation or at least attempt to lead people to look to God, not merely as someone that, you know, you're going to use when you want to get elected, you know, but, but if it's, if it's deep down in your heart, if you truly believe that God is in control and you truly want his will more than your own, and you truly only want another term, if he wants you to have another term, then why wouldn't you make the one person, actually three persons and one God, but why wouldn't you make the one creator? Why wouldn't you make that a heavy focus of your rallies? So what if the left goes ballistic? So what if the ACLU accuses you? These people are there because, yes, they love Donald Trump. Okay, fine. But you had an opportunity. You had so much political capital but I would even say spiritual capital, son, and it got wasted. It got absolutely wasted on, on rants against Biden and, and on, you know, just personal things all by himself. He didn't need to do it. And i tell you one thing that really uh, I found interesting is when I watched some of those rallies on TV and, and he would be railing into Biden, you know, uh, and really just giving some very embarrassing examples about Biden, you know, for the most part, I, I didn't really hear much of a response from people on that. I mean, they didn't seem to have the appetite that Trump did to want to, you know, go after that raw meat like Trump did. And, and I just think if he'd have taken a different approach, a more um, uh, diplomatic approach, a more Mike Pence approach, a more Franklin Graham approach, uh, my goodness, it wouldn't have been that hard, wouldn't it? To just say no to yourself, to step back. And I think people would have really responded to that song. I mean, yes, he's a go-getter. We, we want that. We want that. We want him to hold China's feet to the fire and Iran and all these things. We want that. But, but if you're going to be such a bull in a China shop, and, and if you're going to be so self-absorbed, apparently so, that, that here you've, you've been given four years, and you don't seem to really give much of a focus on who gave you that, um, I, think he, I think he dropped the ball. And, and maybe that's asking too much from him, son. Maybe it's asking more of him than he was capable of. I don't know. I mean, he has free will. Um, but all, all really, I guess I would have asked of him is, is Donald Trump, please step out of the way for seven or eight minutes at the beginning of your rally, seven or eight minutes at the end. Don't attack Biden. You know, be humble. Be grateful. Be prayerful. And you're going to have four more years. I mean, how hard would that have been? But I guess um, because of what we read there in Galatians, apparently that's hard for all of us. It's hard for all of us to pull back when we're being fueled by selfish ambition, anger, rage, hate. Uh, I guess it was hard for those um, agitators to pull back, I suppose, from the Capitol that day, you know, because they weren't ready for it spiritually. And I have to say, and I'll conclude with this, Son, um, that rally on January 6th did not prepare anybody spiritually for the rest of that day. Not at all. It, it, it incited anger uh, in the heart of those agitators, and there's a better way. There's a way of gentleness. Um, there's a way of, of strength. Uh, our Lord demonstrated that, you know, in his life perfectly. And I, and I do believe that, that um, a couple spiritual leaders who've demonstrated that now for decades in each of their lives, I mean, Franklin Graham going around the world with Samaritan's Purse. How about letting this guy have more than just a little, you know, uh, photo op or a little prayer time at the North Carolina rally. I mean, really, I'd have probably been like Franklin Graham. Hey, I'll give a little 15 second prayer, but you know, if you really want to pray, then let's do it. But don't, don't do this. Don't do this. You know, Donald, let's either, let's either glorify God and then make it, make it real. Let's keep it real or let's just not do it. You know? So, um, anyway, 
you know my two cents on it, son. So there it is. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to bring up quickly because there's two things left I want to bring up. Uh, one is you know personal responsibility. You know we often like to blame other things for people's actions. Okay, so just for mm-hmm. example, people are saying he incited a riot. Okay, whether or not he yeah. did, I'll let people debate yeah. that. But again, right. it's the actions of the people. You know, and unfortunately yeah. there was a loss of life, several. But you know they talk yeah. about this Air Force yeah. veteran, and I've always said right. this to people. It's like you know you have a personal responsibility for yourself not to be there. You know, if, yeah. if you're not in those situations and you don't put yourself in those situations, then things that go bad won't happen to you. And so, you know, you've got to also realize that it's it's people and their personal responsibility because that's what it comes down to. It comes down to at the yeah. end of the day, you're going to stand before your your savior or maybe not. And he'll be like, I never knew you. And you'll be like, but I did all this in your name. I never knew you. Where's your personal right. accountability for knowing right. Jesus yourself? No one else can pass that on to you. You can't, you know, have someone else make that decision for you. And that also translates over into everyday life. It's like you have that have personal responsibility for your actions and not always blame somebody else, you know? And I think that's going to be hard for people yeah. to do now that Trump's going to be out of the way because you don't have somebody to blame. You're going to have to have personal responsibility and people need to realize that. And the other thing too, which is kind of a sad day here in Los Angeles, you know, we woke up to news that, you know, longtime Dodger, great Tommy Lasorda yeah. passed away. Uh, you know, yeah. he was 93. And what we learned yeah. all through 2020 with COVID and we're still learning because it's getting worse and worse and the deaths are mounting is that any moment we can be taken from this world. And are we ready today right. to meet our maker? If we were to die today, where would we go? And that's a question yeah. that we need to continually be asking ourselves and making sure it's like if instead of worrying about everything else that's going on out there, if we were to die today, because you know what, in this day and age on this date, this very day, the probability of us maybe being taken out of this world is probably greater than it would have been just a year ago on this day because sure. of everything that's going on with this illness and things. And it's like, are we ready to meet our maker? And if not, what do we need to do? If we are, we need to continue what we're doing and we need to make sure that we're living that example so that others might see Christ through us. But then if we're not, and maybe we know people who aren't, you know, maybe we know people who aren't saved and who aren't truly believers. What are we doing to help them? What are we doing to, you know, try to convince them or to at least spread the message to them? Because we don't know when our time is done and every death is a reminder that that could be us. We could be the next one. And if we're not ready, I mean, someone just posted and I know we talked about it before. You know, you look at the age of all these politicians. You know, you've got Dianne Feinstein is 87. Nancy Pelosi is 80. You know, Donald Trump is 74. Uh, Joe Biden is 78. Whether you like them or not, the reality is at some point they could be taken at any moment. And are we praying for their salvation? Like you've been mentioning, you know, right. if we have these prayer requests, you might not like the right. people. We're not called to like right. everybody, but we're called to pray for them love your enemies as yourself so if we love ourselves we're going to be praying for ourselves we're going to be asking that you know good things happen to us we're going to pray for the salvation of the people we love we should be doing that to our enemies and our enemies could be anybody you know it doesn't have to just be political enemies it could be you know so your neighbor you have arguments with your neighbor but are you loving them are you praying for them are you hoping that are you are you trying to do what you can to make sure that they get the gospel message or you can continue those you know fence wars and things that go on are you going to worry about the 
the political sure. nature of, and, and hoping that, you know, oh, yeah, I can't wait for Nancy Pelosi to die because then we'll be done with her. Right. But what happens when she does die? What if she's not saved? Yeah. Have you been praying for her right. so that she has salvation? Because you know what? Yeah. To sit there and think of, like, when I sit there and think of all the missed opportunities over my life of people that I may have had influence on, and yet I did not bring up anything about the gospel or maybe I didn't act in a certain way, right. you know, it kind of becomes disturbing to me because it's like, wait a minute, I missed an opportunity, and what if that was the only opportunity that that one person had? And I like to think God has many opportunities for people to come to know him, but we have a responsibility for that. Love our neighbors as ourselves. And if we're not doing that, if we're not loving our enemies, if we're not loving our neighbors, if we're not praying for them, especially their salvation, maybe that's the only thing we do. The only thing we can do is pray that God will somehow bring them to salvation. We might not be the vehicle. We might not be the person that does it. But if we're praying that somebody does, then God might present that opportunity. And if we're not doing that, then maybe we need to check ourselves as well. You know, son, I think that is so well said. And that's exactly where I was kind of feeling led to go. And in a moment, I want to read a passage that talks about prayer for our leaders. And then I'd love to, you know, uh, if I may lead us in a moment here uh, in prayer for our, our, our new leaders, uh, but also just all those uh, who are, you know, serving. Um, but, but one last thing, too, I, I was just going to mention is, I think we've covered two very important points today about, and you've hit on the personal responsibility that folks have, and we've also, and you've also touched on, you know, our our main goal to to reach the lost. Um, you know, I think sometimes, son, we, and I mean, just especially Christians in general, we sometimes almost are surprised when lost people act like lost people. You know, um, and we, we we're surprised when when they don't believe the things that the Bible says, or they don't they don't advocate those. Um, you know, uh, those approaches that God gives us and his laws and his rules and, and whether it be for sexuality or for human, excuse me, interaction or whatever it might be. But, but then the other thing is, um, you know, we, we, we just do need, as you said, we just need to be praying for, um, for our leaders. Um, you know, I know that millions have prayed for Donald Trump and now, you know, um, you know, Joe Biden's going to need our prayers and, and, uh, Kamala Harris and, uh, you know, I, I just think that, um, like you said, Son, I mean, Nancy Pelosi, I mean, at the end of the day, every, every, everybody's going to stand before the Lord, and, and those that are lost uh, are going to be moved to the one side, like a, a shepherd separating the sheep from the goats, the Lord says, as the angels, you know, put some on the Lord's right, some on his left. And, and, and so I'd love here, Son, just to, well, let me just read this. Uh, in First Timothy, I urge then, and this is what Paul told Timothy, but this is good for all of us as believers, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Kind of like that peaceful and quiet prayer march that Franklin Graham led a few months ago, and the peaceful and quiet lives that many Christians seek to live every day. Um, That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, I'll tell you, son, I don't know of uh, four verses in the Bible that, that better speak to just the whole of what we talk about today than those four verses. Um, I mean, it, it's all there. And, uh, and so if I may, son, unless you have something else you want to uh, say before, before I do that, I'd love to offer a prayer you know, for our leaders, um, for, for their salvation, for our nation, and, and so forth. Let's do it. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time today. I thank you, Lord, for Psalm's podcast, Sanctified Reason. We ask you, Lord, to bless all the listeners from this message today. Bless our nation. 
Lord, uh, bless and guide and lead President Trump, Vice President Pence. Um, Lord, lead all of those who serve in the Senate and in the House. Give them wisdom and guidance. Lead them to Christ, first and foremost, to repent of their sin and believe the good news. For those who do not yet know you, Lord, for those who are not yet born again. Lord, we pray for um, the incoming president, Joe Biden, and Vice President Kamala Harris. Lord, turn their hearts to you. Lord, turn their hearts to you. Um, and as we pray, Lord, for them, we ask for them what we do for all those in Washington, Lord, that, that first and foremost, they be born again. That first and foremost, Lord, they not be ashamed of Jesus. Because he said that, Lord, those who are ashamed of you, Lord, um, on earth, then you'll be ashamed of there on the final day. Show Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, Lord, their need for Christ, the personal relationship with Christ, and then give them the boldness to talk about it and then to act on it and do that with all of the, those in, in government, Lord. Um, help our pastors and our churches. Um, you know, bless, bless those, Lord, who are seeking to, to share your word. Um, Lord, we pray for revival in America. We pray for... Um, your protection and help for those persecuted Christians in our world who are suffering so much. Lord, there's so many needs, but, but America needs you and our leaders need you. And so be with those in authority, Lord, and help us every day to pray for those in authority, to pray for those in authority, even if we don't agree with many of their policies, Lord, um, to pray for them. And, and Lord, you can change anybody's heart. And, and so we, we do pray now, Lord, that you will surprise uh, unbelievers by decisions that Republicans and Democrats and independents in Washington, Lord, that they make, you'll surprise and people in the different uh, agencies, Lord, we pray for people to get saved in the FBI and the department of justice and, and people to get saved Lord, all over Washington Lord, let people, as we come through this dark period of our nation's history, Lord, let people seek you and find you. And, and, and we pray, Lord, uh, for that. We pray now, we thank you, Lord, for um, the good things that happened during uh, Donald Trump's uh, presidency. We pray for him and his family now, that you will guide and lead them going forward. Uh, guide and lead Mike Pence going forward. Um, bless Franklin Graham and Samaritan's Purse and all the people they're helping around the world. And continue now to anoint Son with this wonderful podcast, Lord, Sanctified Reason. And draw people to you, Lord, to be saved. And I just thank you for, for San's words today, Lord, on the importance of salvation, on the importance of just uh, personal responsibility. And, and so bless the state that he and his fam family find themselves in. They're the state of California. Bless that state, Lord, with all the needs that that state has. Turn many to Christ there, Father. Uh, we pray all this in Jesus' saving name. Amen. Dan, thank you so much. We appreciate your time every week as usual and for your comments and, and insight on some of the things that we talk about. And uh, we look forward to uh, more conversations as uh, the months and, and years roll by. And just pray that God has a, a different year for us here in 2021 than uh, it's starting out to be because it looks like it's going to be a doozy. <laughs> yes, indeed, son. And, and we just, I thank you so much. And, and uh, I, I pray the same for you and your family and, and, and for your ministry and, and just as, like you say, as we, as we go forward now into this new year, that the Lord will, will use us and use Christians all over, uh, to lead others to Him. So 
Thank you for what you do, Son. Thank you for letting me be a part of this exciting ministry you do, and I look forward to our next visit. Dan Delzell, you can find him at thechristianpost.com. Just search his name in the in the uh, keywords or the, the, the search engine there on christianpost.com, and all his articles come up, a lot of great stuff that he's written, some things that we've talked about on previous podcasts. Also, you can um, go to Facebook, and they can find, what, Redeemer Church, Papillion, Nebraska? Yes. And find more information. Yep, that's exactly there. right. Yep. And uh, check me out on Instagram at Edom Rocks, E I D E M R O C K S. And so, Dan, again, thanks so much. We appreciate it. We look forward to our next time. And for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and God bless.